The world is filled with self-boasters. But the work of God is not about you. He gives the power. He gets the glory. And you get the benefit. You're listening to A Better Word with Dr. Nick Gatsky, Senior Pastor of Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. I'm your host, Brian Dolan. You might recognize us from our previous name, Opening the Bible. We recently changed our name as just a more clear identification of what we're about and what we're doing. Today we get to part two of a message titled, The Big Boast. Pastor Nick, the more I hear that word, the more uncomfortable I get because we really have a lot of boasting in life. Social media is just one giant boast fest. Very often is. Our culture seems to be going down the line of greater and greater boasting in things of the self. And social media, you can, on any given day, see hundreds of boasts about what people think they're good at. But they're humble brags in a sense, too, sometimes, where they're not trying to be too boastful, but they're certainly not talking about their mistakes. We're just trying to put our best foot forward. I mean, what do we lose when that's all we portray to people? Yeah, that's the celebrity subculture of today, right? That we have to put our best foot forward and we lose genuine relationship and authenticity in the middle of that. We paint a picture of our experience that doesn't correspond with reality. And as a result, people say, well, I can't really relate to that because they must be perfect and I'm far from it. And so Paul can't be referring to that type of boasting in our message today. Well, he is referring to the contrast in boasting in the self versus boasting in the Lord. And how does that play its way out in the life of a Christian? Well, we'll hear how Paul teaches on that very issue today in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's part two of Pastor Nick's message called The Big Boast. Now, when we talk about the ministry of the new covenant, what that means is the way that God has promised to relate to his people through the coming of Jesus and the ministry that followed. This is a covenant of faith. And you, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you are a new covenant Christian in that regard. And this is a ministry of building those up who are genuine and true believers in Jesus. Paul is a minister of this covenant. And as such, building up is his motive. We know, don't we, that everybody needs to be built up in some ways. William Wilberforce was the leading voice in abolishing slavery in front of the parliament of Great Britain. And he was discouraged because he kept going and there was seemingly no movement on this crucial issue. And then his elderly friend, John Wesley, heard of his discouragement and from his deathbed, he called for pen and paper. And with trembling hand, Wesley wrote, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, then who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery shall vanish away before it. John Wesley died six days later. But William Wilberforce fought for 45 more years. And in 1833, three days before his own death, he saw slavery abolished in Great Britain. Everyone needs to be 
built up. And Paul says that this ministry of the new covenant is a ministry that is building people up in the things of God. And self-boasting is the opposite of that in so many ways, because self-boasting is not for the good of others. It's only for the good of the self. And it's not something that builds others up. It only builds up the self. And the funny thing about self-promotion or self-boasting is that it very rarely accomplishes its desired purposes because it doesn't actually build you up in the mind of other people. Most people see right through self-promotion very quickly. I mean, unless you're kind of sort of trapped in internet land and they never actually meet you face to face. And then you see self-promotion all over the place through social media. But people who actually get to know you can pretty much see right through your self-promotion. In fact, self-promotion typically only builds up yourself to yourself. And it is a sign of misplaced confidence. Misplaced confidence is expressed in boasting in the self. And so the second section of this text contains three more reasons why we shouldn't boast in ourselves and the big boast that Christians should rightfully have in this life. The next one, reason number three is found in verse 12. And we might say it this way, that comparing ourselves to each other displays a lack of understanding of spiritual things. When you live in such a manner where you're constantly comparing yourselves to each other, it displays a lack of understanding in spiritual things. Verse 12, not that we dare classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You've probably heard the old saying, comparison is the thief of joy. It is true in so many ways. Keeping up with the Joneses is never a good game to play. I remember talking to a colleague of mine who is the pastor of a church outside of New York City, and his church is largely made up of business executives and investment bankers from Wall Street. And in a conversation he had with one young man, a man in his mid-30s, they began to talk about the stress of life. And my friend asked him what his biggest stress in life had been. And the young man thought about it for a minute and said, the fact that I made $6 million last year. And so he probed a little bit deeper and he said, so what exactly about that is the cause of stress for you? And without blinking an eye, the man said, because the person at the desk next to me made 12. Comparison is the thief of joy. Perhaps you've heard of the often told story of the two brothers who had terrorized a small town for decades. These were bad dudes. They were unfaithful to their wives. They were abusive to their children. They were dishonest in their business. And then one day, suddenly the younger brother died. The surviving brother went to the local pastor and he said, I would like you to conduct my brother's funeral, but it is important to me that during the service, you tell everyone that my brother was a saint. But he was far from a saint, the minister countered. I can't tell him that. And so the wealthy brother pulled out his checkbook and he said, Reverend, I am prepared to write a check right now to the church in the amount of $100,000 
All I'm asking of you is that you state that my brother was a saint. What was this pastor to do? (laughs) The church needed the money. They had some major repairs coming. But could he trade his integrity for such a check? And so on the day of the funeral, the pastor began his eulogy this way. He said, everybody knows that the deceased was a wicked man. He was a womanizer. He was a drunk. He terrorized his employees and he cheated on his taxes. And then he paused for a moment. And he said, but as evil as this sinful man was, compared to his older brother, he was a saint. Comparison is a bad game. And it's especially bad when you are talking about the spiritual realm. But that's exactly what the Corinthians were doing and what so many of us try to do. They had set up their own standards of excellence and then they judged themselves against conformity to those standards. And then they judged Paul to conformity to their own standards. And Paul reminds them that this type of comparison, especially for the sake of boasting, displays a lack of understanding about where your true confidence should be. I mean, after all, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's first letter to this church, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. (laughs) Only God gives the growth. Misplaced confidence is expressed in self-boasting. That leads to the fourth reason why we shouldn't boast. It is the long-term desire of expanding gospel reach. And that desire points to God's work, not our own. I want to say that again because this desire is the desire of everybody who truly grasps the nature of their sinfulness and their need for a savior. That you grow in a long-term desire as a Christian to see the gospel expand through the world out of love for people who don't know him, that the kingdom would grow up and more would come to experience the very joy that you're experiencing in the Lord Jesus. And Paul points to this in verses 15 and 16. He says this, he says, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. There's a spiritual turf war that's going on here in some ways. And Paul is saying, we only boast because we want our influence to expand, but we don't want our influence to expand for the sake of us. We want our influence to expand so that more would come to know the Lord Jesus and what he gives when our long-term desires aligns with God's desires. And if God is the one who gives the growth, then despite our efforts, he is ultimately the one who provides opportunity to share with those who don't know Jesus, to influence the world, to participate in the ever-expanding kingdom of God that he's promised to bring to its fulfillment. And we see that again and again and again on this earth. I can think of so many practical examples of this. I think the Lord is using my good friend, John Muckridge, 
and his team at the rescue mission of the Mahoning Valley in incredible ways. John's a gifted leader. He's a smart guy. And he is a complete knucklehead. You can laugh. John is a complete knucklehead and he knows it. And because he knows it, he doesn't rely on his own ability. He relies on the Lord of Lords to use a knucklehead to expand gospel influence in this region. And he sits down with me for lunch and he says, man, I can't believe it, Pastor Nick. And I said, I can't believe what, John? He goes, I can't believe God is using a knucklehead like you. I said, I can't believe it either, brother. But that's what he does. We have many missionary partners here at Old North. And one of them is our good friend, Sean Martin. And Sean has preached in this pulpit before. We love him dearly. He is tall. He is handsome. He's intelligent. He has that nice Vancouver accent, which keeps you hooked in on every word that he says. And he's a complete knucklehead. And he knows it. And so he relies on the Lord to use that knucklehead to expand gospel influence as he trains pastors throughout Europe and in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic. One of the encouraging things about what's going on in the life of our church right now is just the ever-growing dynamic in our growth groups over the last couple of years. Year over year over year, more and more of you are participating in these small groups with the Bible open for the sake of growing. And God's just continuing to provide all these really cool leaders that are being raised up to lead these youth group, growth groups. Some of them are young. Some of them are older. Some of them are in between. Some of them meet here in the church. Some of them meet in homes across this region. And these folks are incredible in their zeal to see all of us continue to grow and to share the word accurately and faithfully and to provide an environment that is conducive to robust spiritual conversation. And I can tell you with a high level of confidence that every single one of them is a knucklehead. Some of you have growth group tonight. You can go there and not every week, just once. You can say, hey, knucklehead, how you doing? To your growth group leader. But you know what? They know it. And so they rely on the Lord who uses his word to grow us. And guess what? He is. He's using all of these types of people to grow deep, substantive people who have a reliance on Jesus and a hope for God in this life and the life to come. And the kingdom influence continues to expand. And so that leads to Paul's conclusion. If misplaced confidence is expressed in boasting in the self, then how is well-placed confidence expressed? And he says it in verse 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Misplaced confidence is expressed in boasting in the self. Well-placed confidence is expressed in boasting in the Lord. Earlier, Paul referred to Jeremiah 31 in the New Covenant. Here he refers to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, 
that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. So what does it mean to boast in the Lord? Boasting in the Lord means that we recognize that his power is the power that is at work in us and through us. Boasting in the Lord means that anything I do and recognizing that anything that I do that can affect true and eternal significance, not all of the things that we devote so much time and effort and energy to that mean nothing past this week, Anything that I can participate in that results in eternal significance needs to be empowered by him. Boasting in the Lord goes so far as to say that I can do no good thing that is enough to please God in and of myself, but rather God is pleased with me because what of Christ has done for me and how the righteousness of Jesus is applied to me in this life. That's the benefit of the gospel. And so I don't boast in how good I am before God. I boast in the fact that there was one who saved me and brought me into good standing before God. I don't boast in how good I am, how strong I am, how smart I am, how influential I am. I boast in the fact that Jesus does all of those things and so much more in me and through me by his power and might. That's what it means to boast in the Lord. And don't miss it because this is one of those lenses by which we grow to see our reality that is totally countercultural. The world is filled with self-boasters. But the work of God is not about you. Yes, it is for you. But the work of God is about him. He gives the power. He gets the glory. And you get the benefit. Misplaced confidence is expressed in boasting in the South. Well-placed confidence is expressed in boasting in the Lord. You know, this is a theme throughout the entire Bible. Here's just a couple of examples. Psalm 34, 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And if we are his house, if we indeed hold fast, our confidence and our boasting in hope. Romans 15, 17, in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Galatians 6, 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Misplaced confidence is found in boasting in the self. Well-placed confidence is found in boasting in the Lord. And that leads to Paul's conclusion and reason number five why we shouldn't boast in ourselves. It's the Lord's commendation. It's the Lord's commendation that brings true approval. 
Look at verse 18. He says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. To commend someone means to give them a trustworthy recommendation. And everyone wants to be commended. Everyone wants to be viewed favorably by others. That's why it's a temptation to boast in ourselves so others look at us more favorably. To be approved means to be viewed as worthy of high regard. (laughs) Everyone wants to be approved of. That's why we're tempted to boast in ourselves because if you view me as a bit better than I am, then maybe you'll approve of me. Everyone wants the approval of others and perhaps to a greater degree, everyone wants the approval of their father. There's a kind of dad who is stable and consistent, who provides for his family, who wouldn't dream of abandoning his family or abusing his family, but that same dad maybe never says, I love you. Bo Jackson is still, I think, to this day, the only man to be an all-star player, both in baseball and professional football. Some argue that he is the greatest athlete in history. Maybe so. But that didn't make up for his relationship with his father or his lack thereof. He said a number of years ago that my father has never seen me play a football or a baseball game. Not a single one. Can you imagine that? Here I am, Bo Jackson, one of the so-called premier athletes in the country. And after the game, I'm sitting in the locker room and envying every one of my teammates whose dad would come in and talk and have a drink with them after the game. I never experienced that. Winston Churchill had such a father in Lord Randolph Churchill. As you know, Winston Churchill would become the prime minister of Great Britain during World War II. And Lord Randolph Churchill did not like the looks of Winston. He did not like his voice. He did not like to be in the same room with his own son. He never complimented him. He only criticized him. One of his biographers wrote of young Winston's letters begging both parents for his father's attention. Coming from English aristocracy, he wrote, I would rather have been apprenticed as a bricklayer's mate. It would have been natural. And I would have got to know my father. (laughs) Everyone wants approval. And everyone wants the approval of their father. And isn't it great news that as we think about gaining the approval from other people, that no matter what your earthly father is like, that you can enjoy a commendation and an approval from your heavenly father. And if that is true, friends, you don't need to boast. (laughs) For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Misplaced confidence is expressed in boasting in the self. Well-placed confidence is expressed in boasting in the Lord. 
So keep boasting. Just make sure your boast is directed in the right place. Thanks, Pastor. That concludes part two of a message from Dr. Nick Gatsky called The Big Boast. Next time, we'll continue on in the book of 2 Corinthians in our series called Perfect Power and Our Weakness. We'll be in chapter 11 of that book. For more information about this ministry, go to abetterword.com. Even get your gift in today, and we'll send you a gift in return. It's a book by Michael Reeves called The Unquenchable Flame. And you might be wondering, hey, does this voice even know who he is and what he's doing? He just called it the wrong name. No, 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 no. Uh, Yeah, we were opening the Bible, but we've recently undergone a name change. That really clarifies who we are, I think, in a much more dare I say, in a better way. (laughs) So let's bring in Pastor Nick Gatsky. The new name is A Better Word. Why did you do this? You know, every program over time continues to refine and to get better. And I think this is one of the ways that we are continuing to refine and communicate what we're trying to do and who we are as a radio ministry. And we believe that Jesus is a better word. He's a better word than all of the words around us, all of the teachings around us that the culture might give or the university or even the current media, that Jesus offers the better word. And part of the reason why, as Hebrews 12 tells us, is because his word is the word of forgiveness. And forgiveness and reconciliation to God changes everything. And so we're excited about it. We are excited to continue to communicate God's word, to continue to open our Bibles, and to continue to point to Jesus as the better word. And I think this helps communicate that. Please go visit us at abetterword.com. Again, abetterword.com. We'd love for you to stop by and see what we're all about and consider a gift. A Better Word is a teaching ministry of and is sponsored by Old North Church of Canfield, Ohio.